Jack, thank you for all your work. I wish you all the best as you head to new challenges and adventures. You got this, and I know you'll do well. So congratulations. On tonight's KRBD Evening Report, Ketchikan School Board renews the superintendent's contract and bids farewell to its student representative. And a Petersburg doctor and her family prepare to sail across the Pacific Ocean. Plus, the state's COVID-19 emergency order ended today. All that and more coming up, but first let's take a look at the weather. Tonight, rain with lows in the mid-40s, south winds to 20 miles an hour. Tomorrow, rain, highs in the mid-50s, southeast winds to 20 miles an hour. Tomorrow night, rain with lows in the mid-40s, south winds to 20 miles an hour. And on Saturday, rain with highs in the mid-50s, south winds to 10 miles an hour. It's the KRBD Evening Report. I'm Reagan Miller. The Ketchikan School Board voted unanimously to extend Superintendent Michael Robbins's contract during Wednesday's meeting. The extension covers the 2024-2025 school year. There were a few modifications. He'll receive a 2.5% cost of living adjustment next summer, and Robbins will be able to cash in on up to 15 unused annual leave days. His original contract, without the adjustment, set his salary at $145,000. Plus, Board President Stephen Bradford said the extension came with a vehicle allowance increase, up to $500 a month. And we also increased the automobile allowance to reflect the fact that uh, the board uh, expressed appreciation and uh, satisfaction with the fact that he is spending so much time in the schools and that uh, he's using his personal automobile to travel the district. The board also bid farewell to its student representative, Jack Zink, who is graduating. The Ketchikan High School senior shared a few words after being praised for his work with the board. He had mixed emotions about the milestone. It's, it's an amazing opportunity, and I'm really grateful I've done it. But for me personally, I can't thank each and every one of you enough for this amazing opportunity. Um, if I can be a little selfish for a second, this is going to help me so much down the road. Zink is the president of the high school's Student Body Association. The association's teacher advisor, Susan Stone, praised Zink's dedication and leadership skills. Jack, thank you for all your work. I wish you all the best as you head to new challenges and adventures. You got this, and I know you'll do well. So congratulations. The board gifted Zink with a college survival kit. Member Diane Gubatayo showed off the kit, which was chock full of instant noodles, highlighters, candy, a frisbee, and more. I mean, what college student doesn't need to talk The board's next meeting will be on Thursday, May 25th. The board chose to move the meeting so members could attend a scholarship assembly at Ketchikan High School. A Petersburg doctor plans to work on a fellowship for a year and a half while sailing the world with her family. Dr. Jennifer Heyer has worked as a family physician at Petersburg Medical Center for 13 years. She and her family of four are leaving Petersburg in November to sail across the Pacific Ocean. For at least 18 months, the Heyer family will live on their sailboat, the SV Tarika, where they plan to do a lot of fishing and studying. Dr. Heyer is working on an integrative medicine fellowship from the University of Arizona and looks forward to bringing those skills home to Petersburg when she returns. Dr. Heyer, her husband Chris, and their two children, Cora and Calder, told KFSK's Shelby Herbert about their upcoming adventure. Uh, we're going to be leaving in November and heading down to Mexico on a sailboat, a catamaran. And we are going to spend some time in Mexico and then head across the South Pacific to New Zealand. And then who knows? That is amazing. And so you guys are hopping on the, and I apologize if I say this incorrectly, the SV Terica? Terica. Terica. Thank you so much. Chris, what is the history behind that unique name? Why the Terica? 
we sort of came up with it one night as sort of tipping our hat to our folks, actually. So it's kind of made up of my parents' names and Jen's parents' names, Terry, Aaron, Kathy, and Henry. So we put them all together and came up with Tarika as sort of a thanks for a great life, thanks for setting us off. I mean, that kind of brings me to my next question. So when you guys are crossing the Pacific from Mexico to New Zealand, like how do you plan to occupy your minds when you are the farthest from civilization you could physically be? I'm going to do a lot of fishing, so I've been reading a lot about which lures to use for what kinds of species are out there. And yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to cooking up whatever he catches. We all like fishing, but I think he's the most passionate about it. So you'll be out from November to when? It's going to be 18 months okay. minimum that it's going to take us to go down to Mexico, and then we're going to get across the South Pacific. We're going to spend about three months in French Polynesia, and there's some island houses being there in Tahiti Society and Cook Islands and then we're gonna go to Tonga and then from Tonga we're gonna go on down to New Zealand. So you yeah. guys are gonna have a cross-cultural experience on top of everything else you're doing. Are there any destinations you're most excited about? Probably for the French Polynesia area the most. I've heard of a lot of good fish, snorkeling, and good beaches. <laughs> I don't know. What about you Cora? Um, anywhere sunny. <laughs> anywhere sunny? Yeah. What about school? How is that going to work out? Are you guys homeschooling or yeah. remote learning? We are boat schooling. So Calder will be in eighth grade and Cora will be in sixth grade. And so we'll be covering all the, the math and language arts that they need to know for their grade level. But then we will be supplementing a lot of the history and social studies and science. will just be based on where we are learning the geology, geography, history of each location. How do y'all prepare for a trip like this? It's more than I anticipated. I mean, I, I knew it would be a lot of work, but it's a lot of work. I'm really focused on getting everything ready to school for a year and having everything that we need on board to do that, knowing that we won't just be able to go to the store and pick up what we need. And then also I'm really interested in how you feed a family when you have crossings that could be 30 days long. I've been digging in all the paperwork because you have to have everything set out for all the different countries you're going to and know all their requirements. And, and so setting that up for 15 countries all at once. I've got to say that is the answer I least expected. What's like the hardest part of preparing to sail around the world? It's the, it's the paperwork. <laughs> so you're handing over the reins. How many physicians will be left in town? And so when I leave, there's going to be three physicians, and then we have uh, two excellent mid-levels that are there as well, a nurse practitioner and a physician assistant. But they are actually posting right now for a physician job, so we will be fully staffed. It's a really good crew right now. Like I feel like I'm leaving my patients in very, very good hands. Tell me about this blog. I looked through it a little bit this morning. I'm very impressed with what I, I saw. Part of it's going to be part of school. So part of their language arts is going to be writing about the places that we go and the experiences and all of that. But anybody can go on there. It's an open blog. And you can subscribe on there. And then you can kind of follow us along. I think I'm just... I'm feeling really thankful to have this opportunity. And though it's it's hard to leave, I also feel supported by PMC and the community in doing this. And so I feel really, I just feel really thankful. And thank you all so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited for you guys. To follow the Higher family along on their journey across the sea, you can visit their blog at svtarika.blog. 
A stretch of state highway in Juneau gets closed several times every winter for avalanches. Monitoring avalanche risk along that route is a tricky but essential task for the Department of Transportation. But a new pilot study in the area will use a drone's eye view, hopefully making it easier to manage that risk. KTOO's Anna Canny reports. In the mountains above Thane Road in Juneau, the snowpack is constantly changing. Storms with hurricane-strength winds move snow around. And every winter, the Alaska Department of Transportation moves snow around, too. They use helicopters like this one to set off planned avalanches using explosives. It's a way to reduce the chance of natural avalanches that could put drivers at risk. But sometimes, avalanche specialist Pat Dreyer is left to monitor the snowpack from sea level. That means there's a lot he can't see. What other hazards are up there that aren't visible from the ground? The ability to essentially fly to the top of the slope would be hugely beneficial. With drone technology, he can do just that. This winter, Dreyer and his team launched a new project to gather critical snowpack data using drones. Local avalanche specialists already monitor the snowpack all winter long. They often venture into the mountains to do field work. And starting last year, they introduced occasional drone missions to take pictures. But those methods are just snapshots. They capture just one moment in time and they examine just a fraction of the avalanche zone. This new project will try to get the bigger picture, literally. It's a process called photogrammetry. Which is taking a lot of photos and stitching them together to make a new aerial image. That image can be used to build maps and models that show how the terrain is changing. Basically a representation of the height of the ground. Uh, In this case, it would be the total height of the snow. Grant Hostica is an engineer with the drone's manufacturer, a Chinese tech company called DJI. He says that the data for those maps and models will be collected with more frequent, automated drone flights. No one will have to fly the drone. It'll be like a Roomba, or... Kind of like a lawnmower mowing the lawn. The drone's kind of doing that, but taking photos as it goes that that overlap. By doing that over and over again throughout the snow season, local avalanche specialists will have real-time data about how the snowpack is changing. That data could be used to estimate the size of potential avalanches. It could also be used to schedule those man-made avalanches. The drones will be launched from a new docking station, which was installed last month. Essentially, it's a high-tech parking spot for the drone to stop between missions. It can charge, it can offload data. All it needs is an internet connection. But there are still kinks to work out, like if the drone has enough battery life and data storage to get the job done. And there are regulatory roadblocks, too. There are a lot of federal restrictions on unmanned drone flights and the Department of Transportation is still working to get the permits required for truly automatic missions. Of course, there's also Juno's weather. So we've never had a dock in Alaska. We've never had, you know, a dock here getting rained on day in, um, day out, and experiencing um, some of the tough weather. Um, So the team is able to verify how that's, you know, holding up in, in these conditions. There are just a handful of these docks in North America. And Juno's is the only one dedicated to this sort of mapping mission for natural hazards. So success here could help to refine drone technology for environmental mapping missions all over the country and the world. Reporting from Juno, I'm Anna Canny. The COVID-19 federal health emergency ends tomorrow, though most Alaskans won't notice a drastic change and it'll be months before some of the special emergency benefits end. The State Department of Health says COVID-19 vaccines will still be available at no cost to most people through insurance, including Medicare and Medicaid, and through a children's vaccination program. 
private insurance plans no longer have to cover COVID-19 testing at no cost. Free testing for uninsured people will continue, though the testing locations may change. COVID treatments like Paxlovid will still be available. Medicaid recipients can get the medication at no cost until at least October of next year. Those with private health care and on Medicare may be subject to copays and deductibles. Some changes brought by the pandemic are more lasting. During the health emergency, Medicare loosened the rules for telehealth. That flexibility will continue until at least the end of next year. Meanwhile, in 2022, the state legislature passed a bill to permanently lift some restrictions on telemedicine delivery. A bill to increase per-student state funding for public schools has reached the full Senate for a vote. The Senate Finance Committee moved the bill forward on Monday. It would increase the base student allocation by $680 starting in July. Anchorage Democratic Senator Luke Tobin asked the community to support it. After 99 days of public testimony, hearings, and meetings, it is very clear to us that the Alaska public, public education system is struggling. And we need to do something drastic. This bill does just that. The Senate Finance Committee added two amendments to the bill. The first increases monthly room and board stipends for students who attend residential schools. The second increases school transportation funding by about $8 million. Districts across the state have faced bus driver shortages and rising fuel costs. The House version of the student funding bill remains in the House Finance Committee. If the Senate passes its bill, it will go to the House next. That's it for this edition of the KRBD Evening Report. You can get this show as a podcast on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get it on your smart speaker. Just ask it to play the KRBD Evening Report. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm Reagan Miller.